Hey, this is H1. We're going to be running it back with another episode talking about chess knowledge, chess books, and chess understanding. And today we got a guest here. Um, he has did, um, got, got notes. Right. <laughs> he has did a, a podcast on um, perpetual, um, he has did a podcast, Perpetual Chess. He has launched it in 2016. Okay. And he has over a million downloads on all of his episodes, uh, mostly all of his episodes, all of his episodes combined, which is really awesome. It's a really big feat. And to actually stay consistent in that is like, is really awesome. And um, he has interviewed authors, um, chess educators, and then plus um, Twitch streamers and YouTubers, just like, um, I, I think he, yeah, he interviewed Vladimir Kremnik and Gotham Chess and Levy Rasman and um, Ben Feing- Ben Feingold, yeah. And That's so, right. go on. Yeah, there you go. Just trying to give you the perfect introduction like you always do in your videos, okay? And it, it's, it's probably weird for you to be the guest too, so... <laughs> Yeah, I've done it a few times. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, my name is uh, Ben Johnson. And yeah, happy to uh, to talk chess with another chess podcaster, um, Devon, which secretly listeners, I'm going to tell you guys that H1 also goes by Devon. So I might yeah. I might uh, I'm going to keep him off balance here. But anyway, happy to be on the show. Yeah, I'm glad that you could be on the show. And you know what? This, um, this is going to be really fun, really cool, um, just to get your perspective on chess and how you even um, started doing the podcast. And and we're like, you even learned how to play chess too, which, so that's going to be pretty interesting. This is going to be cool to interview Ben Johnson, just for all of my audience to know, his name is Ben Johnson, who's over perpetual chess. So actually, let's just go through the first question, you know, um, how did you even like start playing chess get into chess um what age did you start playing chess and um what experiences do you have pretty much okay so first thing listeners should know is i'm an old man i'm uh, 44 years of old of age two kids so um i'm i've been playing chess for a long time i learned when i was six uh i grew up in in center city philadelphia um and my school masterman school had a uh, what was just starting as a chess program then, but it became kind of a powerhouse. They won the National Scholastics a couple times. Program was getting started when I was there. So I, it just kind of uh, piqued my interest. When I had learned them, how the pieces move when I was six, and I loved chess right away, but I didn't know about the chess world until I was 12 when it was at my school. And that school, um, I was very lucky because we had other strong players, including uh, Greg and Jennifer Shahadi, who are been friends of mine for man i'm old uh like 30 years now i I saw them today um so that's how it all started and uh just you know like a lot of people i've loved chess ever since but had periods of uh activity and inactivity in my adulthood oh okay Uh, what was the um what was the other activities that you did instead of chess yeah so i went to college uh graduated with a major in politics and russian um, and I thought maybe I was going to go to law school. So I worked at a law firm for a couple of years. I'm trying to give the very short version so I yeah. to put people to sleep. Um, and um, anyway, no, just yeah, be feel, feel comfortable to talk. And yeah, no problem. Okay. This, this is you. This is all you. All right. All right. I'm going to do every detail. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked at a law firm for a couple of years and then ended up teaching at this nonprofit called Chess in the Schools uh, in theory while I was going to be applying to law school. But I ended up really enjoying teaching chess and of course I got to know some um, 
pretty accomplished people in the chess world in New York. I mean, I was roommates with Mike Klein, Fun Master Mike for a while, and uh, Elizabeth Spiegel and a bunch of uh, great folks from chess in the school that showed me the ropes. And so I did that for a few years and I kind of, that kind of showed me that I didn't really want a corporate type job. Um, but then I ended up uh, playing poker. That was kind of during the poker boom days that, uh, you know, um, people, listeners might remember, especially in the 2000s, there was tons of poker on TV. And if you had like a, um, a studious approach to games, as a lot of chess players do, you could make money without being a super genius. So uh, me and a bunch of my chess player friends all did pretty good, pretty well, I should say. And uh, I played poker professionally for seven years, um, uh, had, some, had some success, got to travel a bunch, um, played both online and at tournaments. Um, and then I tried, tried out trading stocks for a few years. That, that didn't go as well. Um, so the, eventually, as I was done with poker and then looking for something else, I, I kind of actually always knew that like I, I was happy when I was teaching chess and that I could go back to chess. So I went back to chess and started running scholastic programs. And it was around that time that I started the podcast, which was about five years ago. Man, that's really awesome. It seems like every chess player knows how to play poker. What I, yeah, what I get it's from crazy. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially for my generation. But but even now, I mean, and it's a mixed bag. I mean, poker, it's, you know, it's a, it can be a blessing and a curse. It can, it can enable one to carve their own path, but it's also... Um, you know, you, you see it's not for everyone and some people it has a negative effect on their lives. So um, just got to uh, treat it like a business, like everything else, you know? Yeah, that's crazy, huh? Because I know, so um, Greg Shahadi is probably um, is related to Jennifer Shahadi, right? So, yeah, her older brother. Yeah, and I, and I and know he's Jennifer an international Shahadi. master. Right. Uh, super, super great blitz player um, and good guy. Right, and I know Jennifer Shahadi is a poker player, like a professional yeah so. well so was greg greg and i were both professionals for a long time oh, and we nice. actually we tried to con- we were trying to convince jen to get into it for years um it took her a while i mean she was like a few years younger first of all two-time u.s women's champion so she had a lot going on so it took her a while to warm up to it but now she's like the most prominent of by far of the three of us uh yeah. both in the both in the chess world and in the poker world man so yeah that's crazy yeah i never really got into poker but yeah that seems pretty interesting to like move from chess to poker then back to chess and so so you started so after you went into college and law school then you started uh scholastic programs around the world yeah okay well i lived not around at the time so yeah started locally there uh and these days i live in uh central new jersey like uh um kind of smack in the middle between new york and uh philadelphia yeah, that's a good spot too, you know. So yeah, that's awesome, man. And I, so when you, so did you get taught by Greg Shahadi? Um, I didn't, but I have to give a shout out to his dad, Mike Shahadi, who's also yeah. a, a FIDE master. Um, I've been rated over twenty three hundred USCF. So when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I spent, you know, we were really good friends. So I spent a lot of time at the Shahadi's family house, and Mike definitely would go over games with me and. I said, you know, hooked me up where I sat in on a few lessons he was doing with Greg and stuff like that. And also what Greg gave me and the Shahadis and other folks in that area was just sort of a chess culture. So, um, so Greg, I mean, now, you know, at some point, uh, you know, since I'm a year older, there was a brief period even where I was stronger than Greg. Um, and, you know, I did make it to USCF master, but 
but it didn't last long where I was stronger than, than Greg. Um, so nowadays, like if I have a chess question, he's one of the friends that I can ask, but he was never like formally my teacher. Oh, snap. I never really even, um, I never really asked you, what's your rating? Uh, so my rating peaked at around like uh, 2270 many, many years ago. It's been moving in the wrong direction for a long time now, Devon, and it's about, it's about 2100 now. And it's, um, you know, it's, it, I, it's interesting. I, I don't feel that much worse than I was then. Um, but I think the competition has gotten tougher. And as you get older and have kids, it's uh, even if you feel like you know a lot about chess, it's hard to just play good moves. You know, you make more mistakes. So that's something that comes up a lot on the podcast, and I'm I'm still trying to I'm still trying to turn the mothership around, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, it, takes, it takes a lot of work. It seems like the older I get, I try to do like e- easier openings, like the London system, or like something that I can just do very quickly. And then most of the chess nowadays is usually like fast form chess, like five minutes, ten minutes, and things of that nature. So yeah, I definitely understand that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man. I'm, although you're a young man, I, I will say you have kids though, right? But how, yeah. how old are you, Devon? Yeah, I'm 23. So yeah, you're super yeah. young, but you have kids, which changes everything. Or, yeah, one kid, But but that changes everything. That changes your priorities, and it's tough to grind like hours of openings a day. Right, right. I, I I think I tried it one time. I was trying to learn some openings. Um, I think I was trying to learn a tirage right now, the tirage defense. And yeah, my daughter, everything just becomes, um, you can't be selfish anymore and just put all yeah. your time towards yourself. You have to like put it towards the, the kid first. Everything is around the kid. <laughs> so that's, that's admirable yeah. though. You're doing the right thing, man. So, um, so good for you. You know, chess is, it's, it's a great hobby great if you can you know turn it into a profession but but you know family first yeah yeah because you don't want to miss those precious moments even yeah, though exactly even though the kid does something that's yeah just kids just do stupid things for some reason <laughs> um like I, I remember one time my uh my daughter she I was just laying, laying on the couch just watching tv and then like she just put her shirt over her face um she was like 15 months she just put her shirt over her face and then she just ran straight towards the tv stand and there's nothing you can stop (laughs) you cannot stop that you can't even prepare for something like that at all and yeah it's it's just a a full responsibility um pretty much and so have you um since your kids are five or eight i'm guessing that you taught them how to play chess by now and so my eight-year-old, I taught him how to play chess. I ran a program at his school. It just hasn't taken. Um, he's kind of he's kind of a competitive kid, um, and I would never let him win. And it seems to have had a, a negative effect on his interest in chess because so, he does um, he likes brain games, but he doesn't like to play chess. Um, and the five-year-old, I haven't taught her check and checkmate and stuff like that excuse me but we play mini games so um you can you know there's like the pawn race where you have just eight pawns against eight pawns and whoever gets one to the other side first but there's also games you can play that are even simpler than that so with my daughter we play one called collect the coins where like each side gets two rooks uh you put the rooks like on uh adjacent files instead of the same file so that Mm -hmm. they can't just take each other on the first move and then you yeah. put a bunch of coins in the middle of the board and it's a race. You take turns moving your rook like a rook to see who can capture the most coins. So it's like a way to make the game to, to still learn taking turns and learn the way one piece moves. Um, 
and then whoever gets the most coins wins and she loves that game but you know i kind of leave it up to her like when to introduce more pieces and we don't play super often but when we do she's happy just playing collect the coins yeah that's i mean that's pretty awesome because you know i, I think um most grandmasters they 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 usually start off with something small something simple then it builds up from there so yeah it's usually the kid's decision after that yeah that's what i think but you know yeah i you, think it yeah. should be yeah. yeah i'm not gonna push them we'll see mm -hmm. yeah you definitely have way more parenting experience than me <laughs> you know i'm just a i'm a newcomer <laughs> yeah well we're you know we're all on the same footing parenting is the great equalizer you know if you're if you're yeah. bill gates or you work at mcdonald's like you're going to be changing that crappy diaper sometimes so yeah um, we're, we're all yeah. in the same boat it definitely humbles you pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah shoot um okay well let's go on to um so when you got into podcasting i i can see that you was like really interested in the chess world when you was training with um basically the shahadi family and so that pretty much probably inspired you to like want to um do podcasts and um interview a lot of authors and youtubers and things of that nature and chess educators and to get in this world on chess a lot more uh, i'm guessing yeah that was a big part of it i'm like i i love podcasts every bit as much as i love chess and my interests oh, okay. are all over the place so when I started this, when I started Perpetual Chess in 2016, there was one chess podcast that kind of came and went. Shout out to Full English Breakfast, um, which was kind of like a chess news show that uh, Ginger GM, Simon Williams, Lawrence Trent, who of course uh, has announced some world championships, always an entertaining guy, and Macaulay Peterson, um, who's, you know, nowadays he's a lawyer, but he's great technical skills and was the one who produced the show. Um, they had a podcast and that was it. And I um, was driving all around Pittsburgh to go to different schools and pick up my kids and all that stuff. And there was, I just noticed that there were no chess podcasts. And, you know, I, I'm not a grandmaster. I felt like, me, you know, a grandmaster or someone like that would, should be doing this. But, <laughs> but in the meantime, like, no one was. And I, I, in addition to Greg and Jen, I have some other uh, reasonably well-known friends in the chess world. Like, I met Jan Gustafsson of Chess24 many, many years ago. So... Mm -hmm. We're old friends, and I felt like I knew enough people where I could probably, like, line up a handful of interviews and see what happened, and that's kind of what I did, and I told myself I'd do it for six months and see how it was going, and, uh, you know, it was going well enough after six months that I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, that's awesome, because in, uh, on that point, like, yeah, I, I guess a grandmaster should be doing it, but at the same time, um, most of the best teachers aren't grandmasters so yeah you know, <laughs> it's kind of yeah, I don't know that might have yeah. been like a story I was telling myself because you know how it is when you're like trying yeah. to find the energy to do something and there's also a voice in your head that's rationalizing not doing something right. um, so that was the voice in my head but you know if you look at the success of someone like Agadmatur which obviously has happened subsequently right. to that um, he's proven that you know there's there's more to making popular chess content than just how good you are at chess. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the waiting room segment. Just jokes by H1. And the joke of today is, what is the easiest way to move your castle? Remote control. You get it? Remote control. And I know this is kind of reaching for a chess joke. I know it is. But still, but still, it's a it's a joke. It's a, Man, you do this job. You do this job every single week and come up with jokes for the waiting room segment. Man, send me send me some jokes in my DMs on H1 Chess on Instagram. Send me the jokes. Send me. <sighs> Thank you for listening. Right. Yeah, I have a theory that it's, I think it's mostly like a, um, a mindset thing. What do you, what do you think about that? Like, because I I know when I was growing up playing chess, um, like I had to get rid of that fear. Like when I was facing high schoolers and middle school, uh, I had to get rid of that fear that like, that they're better than me. And like, or, or like, because, um, when you have that mindset that you can pretty much beat anybody, you can't really if, in order for you to be at the top you can't really fear the top <laughs> pretty much yeah. like that's why i have that mindset even if i'm playing magnus Carlsen, i'm gonna come after them because usually chess players don't they don't like defending anyway so yeah, yeah th- so that's why i think like podcasts like these are really important so that people can get that mindset maybe o- over the road or while they're doing dishes so that when they get get into the, like their um their real chess games and they can be like ah okay i already know what to do let me be more aggressive and beat this guy or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It helps to have no fear for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, man. So that's crazy. So you started at six. Um, so it took off pretty much after that six months after you did the interviews, and things of that nature, and you started contacting more people. Yeah. I wouldn't say it took off. Honestly, it's been a very slow and steady climb. I mean, to the extent that anyone could say it took off, it's been within like the last you know the queen's gambit the last year year and a half but really it was like if if you graphed sort of the the popularity of the podcast um it's it's been very slow and steady i mean the the good thing about the early days is like it found a foothold you know so that i felt like all right at least some people are listening um i have a base i can build from and that's kind of um what has happened and i've been, i've been you know it's my even before i was making like any money on it it was my favorite professional thing because um my my other work was fine but it it wasn't as fun to me as like talking to these uh grandmasters and educators and authors and all that stuff right and yeah that's that's really awesome that you actually got to um most people aren't in in their passion that they want to do so that's really awesome that you actually found that and continued it too and and now you got like networking connections and now you get to basically live this life just talking about chess 
I feel like that. That's yeah, really knock, awesome. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully, hopefully it can continue. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely consider myself lucky. So I try not to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's cool. So, okay. You, you interviewed a lot of people, right? So yeah. what would you say would be the best advice, the like top three best advice to give somebody that's starting out playing chess? Um, out of man, all the let's people. see that you pretty yeah. much like I know that you got a lot of knowledge in here right <laughs> so yeah like, you got, now you have to cipher through all that. are we talking like top three chess improvement tips yeah or okay I right. mean number one you know I'm not gonna no prizes for originality here but you really do need to do some tactics you really need especially if you're on the newer side to chess um you just got to build that tactical base learn to um learn to visualize the board and number two, if you really are, like, I know a lot of adults have gotten into chess or, like, they maybe they learned how to play when they were a kid, but they never played a tournament. If if you are the type of person who kind of struggles with the board coordinates, which I know a lot of adults uh, who didn't play chess as kids do, um, it, it really can have sort of, a, in my opinion, a, um, a compounding effect to invest a lot of time early. Like on like, you know, chess.com has like the uh, visualization trainer where you just, the, the, the name of the square pops up and you have to click it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, you can do like simple visualization drills. Like Chessable has this course called Visualize where they say, okay, you know, white plays knight to f3, black plays uh, pawn, say you're speaking from the starting position, white plays knight to f3, black plays pawn to e5. Why is mm-hmm. that a mistake? You know, so obviously very simple question for an experienced player. You just take the pawn. But when you're building from the ground up, I really think it's good to sort of lay the groundwork as as much as you can. Um, and number three, um, I really think if, if people are able to, it, it is beneficial to invest in a coach um, these days. You know, if you go to like the Lee Chess Coaches page or the Chess.com Coaches page, um, there's uh, a million coaches and there are lots of them overseas that have very reasonable rates. So I can get, especially with so much free information on, uh, on the internet, I understand why people feel like they don't need them or feel like they, they shouldn't get them. But, you know, if you can afford, uh, you know, 15 bucks a week to get an overseas coach who's like, you know, rated over FIDE 2000, I really think it's a, it's a great accelerant in terms of like them providing direction to you. So I could go on for a long time, but, uh, but that's three tips for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, having a coach is definitely an accelerant. Um, you can learn everything online. It's just going to take a, a lot more time since a coach you know, targets actually your mistake and like you, now you got to fix that right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And a coach can really look at look at that from an outside perspective so yeah yeah i mean they just save you so much time that that it's worth it in the long run yeah do you feel like a um for you to um i guess that's that's a silly question but do you feel like for you to <laughs> be really a, a really strong player you pretty much have to have a coach uh, i mean there's tons you know tons of the grandmasters i mean i don't know about tons probably the minority but there are self-taught grandmasters out there. It's not like you can't do it, but I think especially if you're already an adult, I think that's where like you really have to value your time. Um, and that's why I think uh, it, it can be worthwhile. But, you know, I understand that, that it costs money. So there's there's workarounds like with everything else. You know, there's chess discords. Um, you know, you can catch a, a Twitch streamer who doesn't have a lot of people watching and just start uh, peppering them with questions. 
you know, so there is stuff you can do, but certainly, I mean, uh, so much of chess, historically, so much of chess improvement came from sort of your network and sort of uh, absorbing the culture. And now with the internet, there's the feeling that you can sort of be enveloped, but there's still uh, no substitute for like, uh, just talking about chess with someone, especially if they're a little bit stronger than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, okay, so you mentioned the Queens Gambit, like, pretty much boomed the podcast because it did basically the same here, right? Because you get a lot more viewership, a lot more people that's trying to learn how to play chess afterwards. Um, um, So have you actually... um, how how did that audience like treat you and like um have you ever got a chance to like talk to some of them and see like um because i got to talk to some of my viewers on like a facebook group like oh snap they watched the queen's gambit and they watched it with their family then they realized oh snap maybe i should play chess and now uh, a father and their daughter now they play chess together which is super cool uh, what do yeah. you think about that um, gain of audience nowadays? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I my podcast, like, I try to remember if there's some, like, you know, random chess term that comes up. I try to work it into the interview to sort of explain what it means. But I can't lie, like, I don't envision Perpetual Chess as, like, a straight-up entry-level podcast. I mean, I you know, um, I'm offering often interviewing people who spent their lives immersed in the game. Um So it took me a while, like the numbers were definitely up, but it took me a while to sort of uh, meet the community of of new listeners. I was doing some group classes. I I think I heard you mention your thing about doing group classes. Um, I was doing that for a while and that really helped helped me understand sort of uh, the perspective of someone who's, you know, smart person, captivated by chess, but not a lot of experience. Um, and it's I, I love I love interfacing with people like that. I mean, I love talking chess with them. Uh, it definitely like it 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 took a while to filter sort of from like, hey, more people are listening to like who the people are and sort of how to um, uh, you know um, manage the programming as it were, like try to make it a, a bit more accessible at times. Yeah, I, I can see. Yeah, I can see that because your podcast is like. Um, usually you have grandmaster or international master somebody with a title on there and usually yeah you don't go from the beginning it's, it's not like an entry level yeah so i i see how yeah so that's really good that you actually um try to put some stuff in t- for entry people so that they can basically understand yeah, and, I, your and if you don't mind uh devon i gotta give them a, i gotta give this stuff a plug so uh for anyone listening <laughs> uh, no nah, go right ahead yeah do, do what you gotta uh, do i I do a series called adult improvers where like, instead of interviewing grandmasters, I interview adult chess players who've had some, some sort of rating gain and they sort of share some tips, recommend some resources, stuff like that. So I found that a lot of people, a lot of adult chess enthusiasts um, who maybe are not like super immersed in the culture of chess, but want to improve their games. um, Those are the episodes they gravitate towards. And then I also do ones that are like book recaps and people really enjoy those. So um, those compared to like, even if I'm interviewing some legend, you know, um, like often uh, people newer to chess, like, you know, Vishyanan's a genius, obviously. And it was amazing to get to interview him. But like, if you're kind of new to the chess world, you, you might not be able, you know, you might not have as much experience where like 
your level of chess is able to keep up with all the stories you he tells and stuff like that. Right. And okay, so you mentioned the book recaps. What do you okay, so I know this this is like a new era of chess. What do you think is better uh to study chess? Like reading a, a really good chess book or watching like a set of good a, a good series of videos? Yeah, I think it's different for different people. So I am an I need to be actively learning. Um what I found personally with videos is I start to daydream and suddenly it's like five minutes later and I don't even know like what has been on the past five minutes. And with the nature of videos, it's a little hard to go back to the exact spot um, where you were. Um, and plus, I grew up with chess books, so they always will have a special place in my heart. Um, and then, of course, there's learning tools like Chessable. They're, you know, I have a great relationship with them. They're uh, longtime sponsors of Perpetual Chess. Uh, podcast might not have made it without their support and I think their space repetition is amazing um, especially like uh, so for say 15 1600 on up like to learn openings that way is just like a total game changer um, and if you're below that level I think their tactics courses are like an amazing resource because uh, first of all it's very user-friendly presentation and second of all like the fact that you're able to repeat the patterns which I know not everyone thinks is like a great uh, it's, I would say the jury's still out on like repeating tactical patterns as opposed to trying to learn new ones. But in my opinion, for adults who like whose memories aren't, aren't as uh, um, as sharp as kids, I think it's a it's a great it's a great way to go. Yeah. So what, yeah, when I started out playing chess, I, I had this old chess book. It was, it was called Chess Wisdom um by, okay. by eric i forgot the name i forgot his last name but it was was it, was it schiller uh, yeah I mean, I, yeah okay yeah that one yeah and okay that's, that's what i pretty much studied to like get past um a thousand the thousand rating pretty much just to get the the simple basic openings and it pretty much had everything in one book and so and youtube wasn't that big just like a decade ago there's not that many um there's there was probably some in, in, um people that was coaching on youtube but it wasn't really exciting and plus i kind of had that same experience where it, i would just get i would just go to sleep and i was yeah. a kid and i was hyperactive and i was like ah this this isn't working i'll just read this book or play on my playstation 2 and i had <laughs> yeah. yeah so i had chessmaster on playstation 2 so that was pretty entertaining too um nice so I, I talked about that on my first episode how i learned how to play chess um but yeah that's that's pretty interesting um one other thing I wanted to talk about. So you're 2100 right now. Did you ever go through like a stage where you was at one rating for like a, a long time and you didn't know why you wasn't improving? Because that stage of mine was like 1600, right? Where I was just, I was like, why can I pass 1600? Why is it such a hard rating to pass? Everybody above 1600 just seems way harder than below it. Have you ever had like yeah, that type I mean, of rating? Honestly, I'm not more than anything i'm there now now it's been a, a bumpy road with many breaks in between and children and career changes and all that stuff so that sort of it's not like i've been grinding every day batting my head against the wall it's been periods of trying to improve and it doesn't happen and then i just give up for a while um that sort of thing so this i mean honestly you know my as i mentioned my rating high is 2270 and my current rating is like 2100 so i've kind of I don't even expect to reach new highs. I just want to sort of get back to 2200 um, as like a long-term yeah. goal. But 
Before that, I think my biggest uh, plateau was 1900, but I've noticed with a lot of the grandmasters that I interview, you know, they try, you know, they try to be relatable, but a lot of them, it was kind of a glide path, you know, they, there was just something in their brain where they just kind of slow and steadily ascended. And obviously I'm not a grandmaster, but, um, you know, I went from new to chess to USCF master in about five years. Um, so Mm-hmm. I'd, you know, 1900, I might have been stuck for a bit, but I was playing mm-hmm. so much and I wasn't fixated on the results. So it doesn't compare to like what I hear from a lot of people encountering now and honestly what I myself encounter at this kind of permanent <laughs> um, <laughs> plateau. So, so that's interesting. You're, you're still active in chess tournaments, right? What chess Here and there, do you... yeah. I, tr- yeah. I tried to play again uh, last month for the first time. I mean, obviously the pandemic was an issue. Um, so I didn't play for two years and then I played once. But now I, then I got worried about the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. So now I don't know how much I'm going to play again in the near future. But cer- certainly I've had periods of activity. You know, like I five years ago in Pittsburgh, I played for like a year and a half. And it was, it's not like I was just suddenly getting better. Like that wasn't... Uh, it, what I was doing wasn't enough, clearly. Right. And yeah, that, yeah, that just pretty much ruined everything because there wasn't any over the board chess tournaments to play yet. And then online, online isn't the same as playing over the board. It just isn't. Yeah. 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 I mean, I always tell people new to chess, like try one chess tournament, you know, you you might decide it's not for you. That's totally reasonable, but at least try it because you'll, you'll understand it a lot better than it's, it's hard to, Hard to explain how much more meaningful it feels. Yeah. Like, for example, if I'm winning a chess game, I like to see the despot, the demise <laughs> right. of my opponent while I'm beating Exactly. Him, you know? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't, I don't get that satisfaction over the board. After I beat somebody, then we just go to the next game. And then I was like, okay. Then it, then uh, yeah. Any I'm sorry, Devon. I have, to, I have to tell a story. I, <laughs> I, don't play, I, I don't play a ton of online blitz. But, yeah. but last, I, I guess it was two nights ago, I had, I had this experience where it's like, and you know, you're like alone, my wife's asleep, you're like alone in your house and there's someone you want to tell. And yeah. so it's going to have to be you, I apologize. But okay, it's I fine. Playing, <laughs> I was playing this blitz game on Lee Chess and we get to a position where it's like uh, rook and three pawns against rook and three pawns on the same side of the board. And mm-hmm. I ha- and it's 3-0, the time control, so no increment. And mm-hmm. I have like uh, 20 seconds and he has like 40 um, mm-hmm. and so, and it becomes clear within like a handful of moves, this guy has decided he's going to dirty flag me. So yeah. for, for listeners who don't know what that means, it's like, sometimes you, you, there's a gray area in what's allowed and what's not allowed, or what's like, uh, what's good etiquette and what's not good etiquette in a speed chess game. But basically if a game is a dead draw and you have a little bit more time, it's not considered good etiquette to just move, 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 move until they have zero seconds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, to me, Devon, like when you have 20 seconds and they have 40 and it's rook and three on the same side, I felt that this was in the dirty flag category. Before yeah. I finish the story, what do you think? Um, so I call it, I'm just, I just call it a part of the game now because I don't like to make, because you can't make it a, the excuse like, ah, you know, they dirty flag me. But at the same time, I wasn't like, I, I didn't manage my time correctly. So right. I call it just finessing the opponent. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. get what you're saying. And like, what are you going to do? I wasn't going to curse him out in chat or anything like that. Right. You can't do that you know? online. You can't. Yeah. 
so, you know, it is what it is. But I wasn't really happy about it. I certainly would give a draw in that situation. And like most people I know would. Um, but anyway, this story has a happy ending because when there are about 13 seconds on the clock, I see he's moving instantly and I see his only goal is to flag me. So I put my rook somewhere where he can take it, you know, but if he moves this rook like in the same pattern he has been doing just up and down one square, I'm going to take his rook. So right. I made sure to do that when I had enough time to still win the game if he instantly made his move and then I took the rook. So that's what I did. <laughs> I put my rook and take on purpose where I could then take his got yeah. his rook, won the game. And I was so proud and really wanted to talk trash to the guy. But again, there's there's no one there. No one cares, you know. Yeah. But gotta yeah, love the, the beauty of uh, the, the psychological battle. Yeah, that's good. That's perfect. I, You know, not to be like that mean guy, but I support that 100%. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's part of chess nowadays. You really, it seems like every time I play online, it's, every opponent does it. It's just part of the game yeah. now. Um, and maybe next time he'll give a draw now. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. And that too, like he was doing the dirty flag in first. So, hey, let's, yeah. let's, let's get started. Um, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> but that's awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the waiting room segment. Chess quotes by H1. And the quote of today is, man, the Chess Perpetual podcast, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Thank you for listening. So you play on lead chess. What's your, do you play blitz a lot on there? Yeah. I, again, I go through periods uh, of activity and inactivity, but I, you know, I, not a week doesn't go by where I don't play, put it like that. But, you know, some weeks I'm playing, you know, again, working parents. So I, you know, some of the, some of the, my chess online friends, you know, God bless them. They're in their twenties. They don't, they don't have a wife and kids. And I see them just spending hours a day on chess. And for me, it's not like that. But yeah. so on, a, on a, a day where I do a lot, I'll play 45 minutes of blitz. And then days go by where I don't play. But I would say I average maybe, I probably average like a game or two a day, something mm-hmm. like that. So Hey, that's uh, really good. You know, the most irritating thing, another irritating thing about online chess is that if you don't have good internet, it just makes everything just a lot yeah. worse. Um, for example, like I could be in a, com- I've had, ex- I had games like this. I'm completely winning just two Queens up. And then like the, the last move of checkmate, you know, and, uh, the, the internet just decide to mess up. I had to refresh the whole thing. And then the, the game, it doesn't want to get back into the game because 30 seconds later is it just, uh, it makes the opponent claim the win, even though they're losing. And I don't even know why they played on because I had two Queens. 
right. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it's a whole nother world, especially it's kind of weird seeing the, the top rated like Magnus Carlsen, Fabiano Caruana play online chess too, because in, it, it seems like that they're, they have an opportunity to play in their own countries um, in the world chess tour. So that's pretty interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I love that. That really shows that Magnus has the love because he'll have these all-night bullet sessions, you know, <laughs> just like out of the blue, like just just six-hour session against Neroditsky or Penguin GM or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, Fabiano seems to keep a lower profile, and of course, he's not known as like a blitz and bullet specialist the way that Magnus is. Um, but but I love it. I mean, I love I love to see the guys who are in it for the love of the game, you know. Um, Obviously, they've they've had great success, too. But like people who just can't get enough and, you know, for for no prize money will still will still have these epic sessions. Yeah, I, I usually like seeing uh, Hikaru Nakamura play his games, even though. It, yeah, you can never get used to that. His, his he is a wizard, man. He yeah. is amazing. I mean, what can you say? Yeah, I don't um, know how he does it. I know he's spent a lot of years doing it. But still, it just amazes me. And it's also like he's not slowing down. You know, he's not as young right. as he used to be, and he's just as amazing at, at Blitz and Bullet. Right. They, what do they say? The the eight. There's like an age limit where it's, statistically you're supposed yeah. to dip down in the rating. I think after 30 years old or something. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Yeah. Early but 30s. He's, but I think he's number one in Blitz now, um, worldwide. Yeah. So yeah, this it's crazy. He and he's a streamer, YouTuber. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I like the hustle. Yeah. He's crushing <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Okay. Well, I got a fun segment for us to do. Um, okay. We <laughs> got a would you rather questions so that everybody can okay. get your personality, you know, get a, All right. a little bit more uh, about you. So I found these online in, in different forums and I, I thought they was hilarious. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Uh, number one, would you rather lose three games in a row or stalemate in a winning position? Uh, are we talking classical chess or uh, blitz? I, I know they don't uh, they don't uh, specify, but... Hmm. Well, let's just do all three of them. Um, uh, let's just do both of them. Okay, I mean, for, yeah. for classical chess, you've got to fixate on it so long that I would rather just have one screw up. I would rather just <laughs> stalemate a winning position because yeah. if I lose three in a row, then it's like the kind of agony compounds, you know. Uh, so, yeah. um, for and for blitz, it's probably the same. But I don't, I don't stress too much about blitz, honestly. So, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care either way with blitz, unless yeah, they would, unless they were trying to dirty flag me. <laughs> yeah, my my. So my experience, my worst losses was losing a winning game. I mean, stalemate in a, a winning game. I would just take the three losses. I don't, I don't oh, care. Okay. Yeah, I would just take the three huh. losses because I would psychologically just be ruined after that and just be like, wow. Let's say I was facing um, somebody big, like, um, let me see, um, Susan Polger, and I'm like, wow, I was winning and I still made it. Right. <laughs> this is super embarrassing to me. And I could never live that down. So I would just, yeah, I, I would take the three losses no doubt <laughs> okay. okay okay the next one um would you rather um okay they said would you rather play a chess game without all your pawns or without your queen um pawns are the soul of chess man can't gotta have the pawns yeah you can always get it you can always get a queen so i, yeah. I gotta 
Gotta have my pawns. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, but you only get that one true queen, though. You know? Ah, well, you know, they all look the same. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You have a family Me. right now. I'm just playing. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Yeah, okay. I, I get that. Yeah, the pawns, you can just get different queens based on the game, not, not real life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's separate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, next one, would you rather, um, would you rather play D4 your whole life or E4 your whole life? I've been an E4 player, but now that I'm an old man, I'm in the process of switching, but I, I have to keep it real. You know, like I, E4 is closer to my heart. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I'm already a D4 player. I love playing a Catalan. So I, yeah, I would just, yeah. Have to oh man, D4. the Catalan's a yeah. nice opening. Yeah. It's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's like um, it's like a favorite song from when you're a kid or something. You got to go with the one that like that that you remember from your formative years. That so, is true. That is true. I yeah. think every kid, like whoever started playing chess, they always played E4. I think in, yeah. in every tournament, every kid E4 in the Gucci yeah, Coat piano. Now, when you got coaches teaching kids the London, but <laughs> but back yeah. in our day, that didn't happen. It didn't. Not at all. Yeah, exactly. It was, and then you can actually do the Roy Lopez and things of that nature. Yeah, and yeah. These kids nowadays is playing Sicilians against me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what is going on? <laughs> why are you playing a dragon at me? You're only like six years old. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, one more, one more. So, would you rather um, get checkmated or resign? You know, have you heard this thing where people say it's like classy to allow your opponent to checkmate you, like? Um you know in certain positions and especially now with newer chess fans who are who sometimes when a when a like grandmaster game sometimes when there's a resignation people are like what like i don't need what i don't even see what's going on in this position mm-hmm. um so i mean there's something classy about uh getting checkmated I, i'd say it's okay to get checkmated hmm. i don't know uh yeah i would disagree with you on that one <laughs> Maybe, but I play more online where I think on, online I'm like you know what they're one move away from checkmate I'm not gonna let them get that satisfaction and I just I'm not gonna lie I just just resign yeah. and yeah just go on with the next game Maybe, and then plus let me, let me see in a real tournament uh, I was taught when I was playing chess at a really young age to play throughout the game and just get checkmate in and whatever but as getting as I got older, yeah, I don't I don't like to be psychologically broke down, especially in a classical game, which I already know that they're winning and I'm not gonna play another hour just to defend this yeah, losing I position. Sh- yeah, I should clarify. Yeah. I was thinking more of like if they have some nice combination, you know, like if they play oh. a mating sequence where like they're checkmating you or four in four or whatever, and at some point you see it's coming, then it can be nice to let them play the checkmate. But yeah, I'm not one of these guys that's like, uh, shout out to Jonathan Korvla, an old friend of mine who like famously talks about how he never, ever resigns and like, you know, tortures his opponents by like making them play these positions where they're up like a rook in a night. And, yeah. you know, how, how many stalemates he's gotten from doing that. Um, that's not me. So, yeah, I, I should clarify that. But you don't want to be like, OK, let's say that they did have a combination. Right. And you and let's just let's just say that you dislike the chess player, you know, just just a little bit. Let's say and they had like a three move combination. You're not going to just do like two of the moves 
and then just resign yeah, I mean, that if last I year. dislike them, sure, but that's gonna that's gonna be the minority. See, I think I think what it is, Devon, is is you're young and you still got like the fire in your belly. I, I'm an old man. Like I'm, uh, uh, you know, I think part of the reason I'm not as strong as I used to be is like I just it doesn't quite mean as much to me, and I think that hurts my game, honestly. Um, and it's hard to get that back, you know. So I think that that's part of why you're like. You're like, I want to see them suffer, you know? And I'm like, well, I used to want to see them suffer. <laughs> now, now I don't really care. <laughs> you know, I was only like this because I, you know, my, my brother, he was very harsh on me. Right. He, was, he was the one that um, throughout my whole first year, I was playing him and I'll lose every single game to him. And so, and every time like he would snatch pieces, he was one of those players where every time um, he snatched my queen, it was like a really loud, Plank, right, plank right. sound yeah it, it was very embarrassing so yeah and then i played in libraries with like trash talkers and things of that nature so yeah that's that's where the spirit comes from <laughs> yeah <laughs> I more aggressive. yeah so i'm not just devious in real life you know just to make <laughs> that clear i'm just very competitive right. very competitive um, understandable yeah but hmm um other than that um Oh yeah, how much effort would it be to to get Magnus Carlson on your podcast one of these days? <laughs> yeah, I get asked that a lot. You know, I mean, he owns Chessable, um, Aim Chess too. Shout out to Aim Chess; it's awesome that they're sponsoring you, man. They're they're a great company and they they do uh, great work. I, I love their their algorithms. I love to go through them after my uh, blitz sessions. But right. um, you know, I I think it will happen someday. Dare I say? I mean, unless he like stops doing interviews, you know, I, I've I've interviewed his head trainer, Peter Hein Nielsen. I've interviewed Jan Gustafsson. Uh, he's a friend of mine and he's, you know, been on Carlson's team. Uh, you know, some of his companies sponsor my show. So knock on wood, fingers crossed. I'm hopeful that it'll happen someday. Um, but I, I've also mentioned before, like, obviously that would be like a, a huge uh, like thrill of a lifetime for me, but Magnus does a lot of interviews, so it, it right. would be a more gratification f- for me and you know for my longtime listeners and stuff like that. But it's not like we don't get to hear what he has to say. Um, but anyway, it would be amazing, Magnus. Holler at your boy. I'm available. <laughs> that, I think that would be awesome. You know, um, I, I could see one of these days you'll get there if we just keep on pushing it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, you know what, Devon? I've never asked him. Like, uh-huh. there there are some high-profile players who I've been like, all right, you know what? They have a course coming out or whatever. You know, like, it's time. I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, if they have a website, I'm going to go through their website. If it's someone I know, if, you know, if it's if there's someone I know that knows them, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to reach out through that person sort of thing. And I'll be like, it's time. But with Magnus, I've actually, I've actually never technically tried I just figure mm-hmm. like, you know, at some point, hopefully he'll be aware of the podcast and then he'll just sort of like reach down and choose me. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, maybe if I see a big project, I'll try sometime. I mean, if certainly there's other high profile players that I haven't been able to get and I have tried. So, um, yeah. but anyway, Magnus, anytime. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> I think that would be really awesome. Yeah. Shoot, man. It, it's just amazing. So how hard was it to be consistent for five years to to do your podcast? Like, because that's a that's a long time to be consistent doing it weekly. And I've been and I've been watching your um, 
your podcast episodes like on youtube every single not every single week but i get like the get the big ones and yeah i, I can see all the hard work the effort that you put into it so it, is it really hard to be like really consistent especially in that business thank thank you first of all um yeah i mean it was harder in the early days it was harder when you know i felt like there weren't that many people listening and and let's be real i mean when you're not when you're not making money that's that's the hardest time um because you really have to make time for it i had young kids you know a lot of demands um with my wife and then you say oh i'm going to go do this thing you know yeah. that i'm not making any money doing so once i started to have some success i mean i love love doing it it's my favorite thing i you know I, I always read if if the person I'm interviewing has written a book, I always read it. I love reading chess books. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I can consider that part of my job is just like such a dream. Um, you know, and like if it's a YouTuber digging into their content, trying to figure out why they're popular, trying to come up with questions that they haven't been asked, you know, 50 times. So, I mean, there's one or two aspects of it I I, you know, could take or leave, but like 90% of it is just like an absolute dream job. So again, I try not to take that for granted and I try to devote everything I can to it. So again, once I felt like I had a little bit of traction, it, it hasn't been hard for me to be consistent. I mean, you do, of course you do, Devon, have to be a little, you know, you have to be mindful about like sequencing of episodes, especially because mine's like an interview show. So I had to learn to sort of record, you know, a couple weeks in advance so that if someone bails on you or you have some technical issue, like you have time to sort of find your footing. Because I do find that people like to have something part of their routine. They like to know when something's coming. Um, and they like to know that like if they decide to support you, like I know you have a Patreon page, they mm-hmm. like to know that like you're not gonna like just disappear, you know, like yeah. after um after they, they start to support you. So but yeah, yeah I mean the, the more success you have, the easier it gets. It becomes sort of sort of like a uh, virtuous cycle and i've been i've been lucky that that's again knock on wood but that's kind of been the direction in the past couple years yeah that's really good and you know what i i've looked i've looked in your youtube comments and like one of the always like the main ones i see the comment man this podcast is so underrated <laughs> oh, thanks. yeah i have to tell you i have a kind of a strange relationship with youtube because mo- you know like uh probably 95% of the people who listen, listen on podcast apps. So, and YouTube, as you've probably seen there, there's no video. I mean, I'm doing a new podcast with Chessable called how to chess, where we do, um, where we often have video as well, but with perpetual chess, even if like, I'm looking at you now on zoom, you know, even though we're looking at each other online, when we film, I never release the video. So I'm all, so, so I was a little surprised when people started asking me to even post it on YouTube. Um, Because I was like, it's it, to me, it's not the most natural. Like the reason I got into podcasts is because I was driving all over the place and looking right. for a way to entertain myself and doing a lot of chores around the house, doing the dishes, cooking dinner, whatever. And it's a great uh, companion for stuff like that. YouTube to me is something that requires more engagement more often right. than not. So because of all that and because YouTube, I have to do a bit of extra work because I, I have to make the sort of video rendering and I can't do that until the podcast is already out. So it's always the last place to get it. And something about YouTube commenters, uh, they've mostly been nice to me. But still, like, you get more snarky comments. You have to delete all the stupid porn spam chat stuff. Oh, so, yeah. So YouTube has, yeah. Not been my, uh, has not been my favorite, I have to say. But, I mean, 
obviously anyone who listens on whatever platform i, I appreciate you so i don't right. want to i don't want to go too far down the anti-youtube road right and so you know i just want to let everybody know that like um uh, perpetual chess the podcast is on um and you can correct me too but i i've seen that it's on youtube spotify um apple podcast is, is that your main ones that yeah, on. I mean, these days I can't even keep track of all the podcast apps. You know, someone will be like, are you on Podbean? And I'm like, what's a Podbean, you know, but I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll try to find out. And like every yeah. once in a while, you have to like jump through some new hoop to get on some new app. But basically, I think it's on like every major podcast app. Like it, it should be streamlined at this point. And, you know, if anyone listening looks on somewhere and it's not there, like I do want to know and I will get it on there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, don't want to let don't want people to have to jump through hoops to consume your content, you know? Right, right. And then uh, each platform is basically a, a, a whole set of new people that I've noticed yeah. this past year. So yeah, I definitely understand that. Yeah. And I know you've got like, you've got uh, a lot of balls in the fire, you know, you're doing, you're doing Twitch, YouTube and the podcast as like basically separate things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to lean more into um, the podcast. So podcast is always first. That's always going to be first in my book since this is my baby. And it, it took yeah. off like it took off a, a little bit quickly, more more quickly than I thought it would take off. But yeah, I got consistent viewers and it's really awesome to like help people out and stuff like that. And then more on YouTube, too. But uh, Twitch is Twitch is really hard. I'm not going to lie. Man. It's You're competing really with freaking Hakaru and Eric Rosen and these guys like they're so yeah. good at it. And, and like someone, said, I, someone awesome's always on, you know, it's tough. Yeah. And like I said, I have a kid. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Like three hour stream or yeah, I don't, I don't have the time. It's yeah. So as yeah, when it comes to the podcast and YouTube, yeah, that's my, that's going to be like my main focus um, nowadays more than ever. Yeah. But man, I, Hey, thanks for being the guest. Thanks for being on here. Uh, how did you like the podcast? How did you like this episode? yeah good stuff man yeah it was fun my my pleasure yeah and um is is there like anything else you would like to um uh, talk about or advertise um your next projects things of that nature um yeah not really i'm trying to find the energy to to write a book um but it's, it's so far i have zero words written so <laughs> not much to say yeah. about that yeah i mean listeners if you're interested in checking out uh my work um, I basically just do podcasts and that's it. The Perpetual Chess podcast is kind of like the flagship. And as we discussed, interviewed Vichy Anand and Gotham Chess a couple times and Naraditsky and check out the Adult Improver interviews if you're out there grinding, trying to improve at chess. Um, so yeah, check it out. Subscribe. Actually, subscribe even if you don't check it out. That's a very important tip. Um, and I also have a, have a, a new project with Chessable called How to Chess, which is um, the idea is it's only um, it's it's a 10 to 15 minutes per week and it's about a specific chess improvement topic. So perpetual chess, I know it's a big time investment. We're talking often over an hour per week. Um, and I know some people have short commutes and some people might be more interested in working on their own games than about like hearing Grandmaster Tales and stuff like that. So it's kind of like different approach, but I still have good guests sharing uh, good tips. So yeah, check those out and support Davon, man. It's good. I know th- I know that you got a lot going on in your life, man. I know uh, you know, you got a young daughter, you're you're working a lot and grinding hard on this content on the side. So I definitely um wish you luck and commend you for 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 putting it out there, Davon. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you a lot. And, you know, uh, all the people that is listening, go follow Chess Perpetual. He's on Instagram, Twitter, um, and oh, you got a website and everything. Tips, man. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter, and I build a decent following there. And on mm-hmm. Instagram, I just feel like I'm, like, in a foreign country. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I do post the clips yeah. and stuff, but, like, you got to give me some hacks before we get out of here. What am I supposed to do there, man? Yeah, Instagram is kind of hard. Um, it's, we're in this new space now where reels are taking off. Um, just short videos um and you know instagram is going it's rumored um i'm not going to confirm this but it's rumored that it's going more video like they're they're going to get get away from the post so it's going to go more visual more video probably it's probably going to be like another tiktok platform or youtube platform so um yeah my videos on instagram has got um i was posting pretty much every single day and and it um, I had a steady following each and every day. And then people from the podcast like followed and things of that nature. And that's cool. Thank you for all the people that like DM'd me and uh, like the podcast too and like the jokes. <laughs> I really nice. appreciate that. And so, yeah, Instagram is just a whole nother beast. So, it's a so whole more reels, you're saying? Because I mostly just yeah. post pictures. Uh, I mean, clips. I post clips from the podcast, but yeah. I don't do any stories really. I guess I got to get on that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more visual, more reels, and um, yeah, more videos. That's all I can say about it, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I have it in me, man. I'm an old man, <laughs> but, but I'll try. I'll try yeah. to keep up with you with yeah. you young bucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, and you know what? I'll say that for later. But anyway, um, thank you for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining the Chess Knowledge with H1 podcast. I really appreciate it, and um. um Hopefully y'all enjoyed this. If you did enjoy it um, on the Apple podcast, please leave a, a good review because this is going to be on the season five of chess, uh, of the chess podcast of chess knowledge with H1 podcast. And you know what? Um, I bring every week chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding always. So um, thank you for all the supporters. Thank you for everybody who has been with me since the beginning and the people who are joining right now. And yeah, peace out. And all right, good night, um, everyone. Thanks. I'll see you later. And maybe, Ben, maybe, maybe another time you'll come and you're invited on the podcast right. whenever you want. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't flunk out. That's good news. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, <laughs> no, no, you definitely got to have now. I'm just, <laughs> just okay. Peace out. Bye. Hey, you made it. Thank you for listening to the episode. And you know what? If you like the episode a lot, please follow so that you don't miss out on any new information. And if you're trying to get better at chess, please follow the YouTube channel Chess Knowledge with H1. And guess what? If you really, really like the episode or really, really like the podcast, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Please leave a good review so that we can get some more exposure because this information is for free. Thank you, and I will see you on the next episode. Peace.